You're listening to Get Fed Today, one podcast designed to provide the Christian a hearty Bible study five days a week. While our mission is to showcase a variety of different Bible teachers, if you want to access more content from a particular pastor, simply listen to the end of the episode for additional information. On behalf of the entire team at Get Fed Today, it is our prayer that today's episode encourages your growth in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, good morning, Calvary Chapel, who's here. Good morning, Calvary Chapel, uh, who's home. And uh, many are um, far, far away. They say, you know, at Calvary, we don't practice social distancing. That's not true. It's not true. Half, half of us aren't even here. That's how socially distanced we are. It's a very, very tender, loving group. We care. We really care. So uh, please turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, and uh, as it, uh, you know, as we began to approach, are we here now, what, this week is our next, yeah, just a few days away from Thanksgiving, we've been considering uh, Thanksgiving and gratitude, but not all gratitude is the same, that's what we're going to see today, not all gratitude's the same, but first I want to take a second while you're finding your way in 1 Samuel just to... Um, Sort of go back and recap what it is that we've learned about gratitude, Thanksgiving so far. Uh, Brian taught us two weeks ago how timely his message was that gratitude is a secret weapon against anxiety. I ran into someone uh, last Sunday at the grocery store, and uh, they said, I listened to Brian's, I needed Brian, I needed that message so bad. And then I went back and listened to it again. I went back and listened to it again. And so if you haven't heard that message, um, go back and listen and uh, settle whatever anxiousness that may be within you with some good old-fashioned godly gratitude. And Brian taught us that there are some three-letter combinations that are better than others. He taught us about RNT. Remember that? Repetitive negative thinking. And he shared some studies, some psychological studies on that. And, we, and uh, we, we replace RNT, repetitive negative thinking, with RBT, repetitive biblical thinking. We've got to fill our minds with the truth. Some three-letter combinations are better than others, right? ACB is far better than RGB, but uh, anyhow, some of you are like, why is it with you? It's you. Everybody else comes, and no one does it but you. It's me. And then last week, Pastor Billy wonderfully walked us through that story there with the ten lepers. And I love so much about his message. Um, two lines in particular, one at the very beginning, and it's just a simple observation, but he said ingratitude is our natural default. It's, it's just, you know, what it is that we're born, we're born ungrateful. And, uh, but, when, but when we meet Christ and when we are transformed from the inside out and when some supernatural thing takes place in our life, then that supernatural you know, gratitude usurps and, and overtakes the ingratitude that's just our natural way. 
He also pointed out the very end, and I loved it, about those lepers. Ten prayed, but only one praised. Ten prayed, they all prayed, Lord have mercy on us, but only one came back and actually, you know, praised God. And so gratitude is great against anxiety, and while ingratitude is natural, when the supernatural happens, I mean, when you're walking down the road and he said, when the Lord said, you know, go your way, and as they went, they were healed, that'll make you praise, usually. You know, when your skin begins to return, and, you know, it's just an absolute miracle. And gratitude's only right. Pastor Billy pointed out that thankfulness really matters to Jesus. Remember, the, the one came back, and he was really grateful, but what did Jesus say? Now, there were ten of you. Weren't there ten of you? I mean, it was, there was something odd about the fact that um, gratitude wasn't present. And um, when it's not present in the life of a cleansed leper, and every true child of God is cleansed of a leprosy that's greater than that physical condition, then something's wrong. You know, something's wrong when gratitude's not there. Uh, next week, um, Pastor Eric's going to take us uh, to the final message in this series on gratitude. And he's going to talk to us about a gratitude that we cultivate or a gratitude that we mature in. And, and there's, there, there's some levels of gratitude, and ultimately there's a place that God would want us. So growing or maturing in gratitude is what he's going to talk about. But today I want to consider a different kind of gratitude. Um, it's, the praise that, it's the praise that's born through pain. The, the happiness that comes you know, from ho- hopelessness, the ecstasy that rises from the agony it's really a rarer kind of thanksgiving. And if I can say it this way, it's a thanksgiving that comes the hard way. It, it comes a different way than that which, in a sense, we cultivate. Not all gratitude's the same. And so I'm going to title this message, The Gratitude That's Gotcha. The Gratitude That's Gotcha. And what we've been focusing on, and even we'll finish with next week, is the kind of gratitude that we have. That is, the kind of gratitude that we cultivate, the attitude and the spirit you know, of gratitude and, and, and thankfulness, that, that which we have. But listen, there's a gratitude that'll have you. There's a gratitude that'll get you more than you actually have it. So here we go. We're going to see at least that. First Samuel 1, 1, very familiar story. There was a certain man of Ra- Ra- um, <laughs> Ramathayim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jehor... Uh, him, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite, and he had two wives, the name of one Hannah, the name of the other, Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, Penina, provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. Now, welcome to the house of pain. And I say that for many reasons. There are all kinds of reasons for the the pain in this house, not the least of which is the fact that this man is married to two women. Now, I don't mean that in any way towards the women. 
like one is bad enough and two is worth double. That's, I don't mean that. I mean, this is wrong is what I mean. This is, this is wrong uh, if you're not aware, and I hope you are. <laughs> and it is important to know that what the Bible records doesn't mean that the Bible necessarily condones. The Bible doesn't always condone what it records. Elkanah is not the only man that Scripture records had multiple wives. But, but one thing that we also need to know is that whenever God will actually record a situation as it is, he'll always allow that situation that he doesn't condone to be seen in its own light. So here it is, the house of pain. And when we do it, whatever it is, any other way than God wants us to do it, it hurts. You probably learned that lesson. So here now we have this sort of a civil war in the home. Two wives, neither fulfilled. Penny, we're going to call her, has children, but no love from her husband. And Hannah has love from her husband, but no kids. Both, you'll see, are completely gripped and led and motivated, dominated and driven by what they don't have, which by itself is a recipe for a miserable life. To, to be fixated constantly, and that's probably one of the real beautiful things about this series, is to focus always on what it is that we don't have is a recipe to be miserable because there's so much that we have to be thankful for. And this miserable mess continued for some considerable time. Keep in mind, Penina has sons, plural, and daughters. So at minimum, two, two boys and two girls. And so Hannah has been barren for four, five years easy, depending if she may, may longer if she had more children. Solomon observed this. He said, hope deferred, a desire, a longing deferred makes the heart sick. But when the, the, the desire comes, it's a tree of life. So Penny hopes to be loved. She's not. Hannah hopes for kids. She's none. Additionally, we've got one uh, also disenchanted husband because he can't fix any problem in his home. It seems to be sort of the general M.O. of a man. He wants to fix it. But Mr. Fix-It can't. And so everything that everyone in the house faces is beyond their control. They've all tried, but nothing earthly works. In fact, we're told twice, and this is kind of heavy, regarding Hannah, that the Lord, two times we're told, the Lord had closed her womb, which made Penny's provocations of Hannah just sting and hurt all the more because it, 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 at, at that time, most would think that... Um, there was something wrong with you and God was judging you. And so here she's the one who's got favor with God because she's got all these kids. And evidently Hannah, you know, is some second class kind of thing. And, and because we read twice, the Lord had closed her womb. When, when this woman would go and jab and, and this rival would push, it just it hurts so much. But that line does uh, make us wonder, doesn't it? And the Lord had closed her womb. It makes us think about... Um, Life and trials, and that is, when it comes to this case, what part of this did God author? And what part of this did God allow? And if the Lord of life authored the barrenness, then what does that mean for him and her and them? And if God, the, the God of life, actually allowed the barrenness, then what does that mean for him or her or others? It, it's, it's interesting. So it was, verse 7, year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. The rival, Penny, provoked Hannah. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. 
So for Hannah, every year at the family vacation, it felt like a slap in the back after you've got a sunburn, you know? You ever have somebody do that to you? You're like, oh, gosh. Only this girl meant it. She meant it. I mean, she meant to sting her rival. If you've ever dealt with barrenness, and I wouldn't doubt that some even now are, if you're here, uh, my wife and I understand the pain. We can sort of put our shoes in Hannah's place here. We were barren for five years, and every year, every month really, you know, that passed just seemed to be so hope-crushing. Uh, my wife, her, her, hopes would, her hopes would get up, her hopes were high, and then, you know, they, they would just be dashed. Every baby shower for a friend at that time, you know, as young as we were then, every, that's what was happening with all of our young couples. There were babies all over the place. And, and uh, for Sean in particular, it, she just had to choose to go and rejoice with those that were rejoicing. And she just had to willfully choose to go, even though inside she just had this, this ache. Well, here's Hannah's hope deferred for years now, and she's before her God, who seemingly only listens to the prayers of her rival. So from Hannah's viewpoint, and, it, and Hannah's viewpoint is really the one that God chooses to focus on in 1 Samuel, and there's a reason why. But listen, Penny has her own, she has her own woes too, her own hope deferred. She, she's in a loveless marriage. Surely every year they went to the house of God, she prayed, God, do something in that man's heart. I mean, I, it's, you, you know, get, do something. And we're never told whether or not Hannah retaliated, you know, when Penny rubbed her nose in her barrenness. But one thing does seem to be often true is that when we suffer, we become often oblivious to the pains of anybody else around us. So you have these two. They're both, they're both in anguish of soul, really. But neither of them are at all concerned about either one of their pain. It's just they're completely focused. Pain can make us incredibly self-absorbed. So, so Penny has kids but no love. Hannah love but no kids. And ladies, talk about hopeless. Both are married to a man. Yeah. Same one, really. Someone say, God help him. God help him. And speaking of man or men, that often vacuous species, watch the man try to now deal with the Rubik's Cube of his wife's emotions. This, you ever see a dog when a dog's trying to understand something? You ever, you ever see a dog go, hmm? Yeah, this, this is a husband right now. And it's not a good commentary on men, I'll just say, because homie should know by now. She's been barren for years. The same thing happens, we just read, every time they went to the house of God, the one rival would provoke the other rival. And so here she is weeping, and the husband's like, huh? And, he's, and watch, he's going to fix it. It's so awesome. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? <laughs> and, and, and maybe for a guy, maybe more like, you don't, you're not hungry? I mean, who's not hungry? And why is your heart grieved? Oh, my gosh. And, and I like this. Am I not better to you than ten sons? To which you can hear her reply, no. Yeah, give me one. Just give me one. 
You wonder how many marriage conferences this family had been to together, you know. No matter the countless hours of counseling for this man, he just doesn't seem... He had, I promise you, this is conjecture, he had stacks of marriage books next to his bed. He got two marriage books every year, one from her and one from her, and they were just stacking up alongside his bed, and no matter how many conferences, no matter how much to counsel, no matter how many marriage books he read, he still remains male. Yeah, yeah. So he sees his wife, and if you want to see a man perplexed, just put in front of him a crying woman. And he, 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 he it's like, I, he, he wants to, he doesn't know whether he should, should I, he doesn't know what to do. And often he'll just try to say something. He'll fix, let me fix it. No, no, don't, don't fix it. He, he still has it. Like right now, it's just, maybe you just go hold her, maybe. And she's like, no. It's just very, very complicated. And then a woman who won't eat. It's all the more. It's like, I don't understand that. I'm always hungry. I mean, who, who's not hungry? And then the fact that he does, like, why are you grieved? Are you kidding me? Why am I grieved at this juncture? And then am I not better to you than ten sons? It's just, yeah. So Hannah arose after they'd finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now, Eli, um, the high priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. And it seemed like, you know, like every other year at some point, Hannah would push off from the table. She would leave in tears and total dejection. Her man, who she knew loved her, she knew that Elkanah loved her, just doesn't seem to have what it is that she needs or what it is that she wants. Penny has some joy now. She's actually run her rival off, and now she's sitting at dinner with her man alone, but he's not interested. And uh, both are heart sick, both of them, and, but, and no man can help. Well, well, there is a man actually on the scene, a man of God. Eli, he's been on the scene, had been for years, verse 10. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if... You will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall come upon his head. She really prayed that day in the presence of two male figures, one natural, one divine. Verse 11 says she prayed in anguish of soul. And as it is true that not all uh, gratitude is the same. Neither are all prayers the same. Some prayers are greater than others. That is, the prayers that come from the anguish of soul matter more than the prayers that you pray right before you have your meal. But it seems that her heartsick prayer this time was different. It, something was different this year than it had been before. The impression is that although she'd prayed without question year in and year out, day in and day out for a child, a son, like, you know, it seems that all of her other prayers, in a sense, had been simply, purely, and solely for herself. Like, God, you know, meet my need. Give me a son. And in that state, we might wonder that if earlier on, if God had given her a son, if, if, if in that condition, like, give me, I want mine, let me have. If God would have answered the prayer earlier, she, the one son might have not been enough because, after all, her rival had sons 
And daughter's like, I want more now because we're in a competition and she's got more than I. As long as she's got more, it's still going to look like she's got more favor than I do. But something changes here. There's something different. Nevertheless, she prays, if you'll remember me. It says, then she prayed and she made a vow. If you'll remember me and not forget me, which is pretty raw. It's, it's how we feel when our hopes and longings go unmet. Our prayers seem unanswered. We, we're sure God's forgotten. He doesn't remember. But, but finally, we, we could say finally, she prays, finally, Lord, if you will, then I will. You know, we're not going to continue. This isn't the beginning of a study of Samuel. But if we were to go further, you would see God's actually looking for a son for Israel right now. God's after a man. God was looking for a son. And apparently, God wasn't going to get the son that he wanted or was looking for without a woman that was willing to partner with him in faith. There were sons available. She could have taken one of Penina's sons. if he wanted. God could have gotten a son, but he was looking for another kind of son, a holy son, a sanctified son. He was looking for one that, in, in the mind of the Jew. The Jews don't know this yet. But in the mind of the Jew to this day, Samuel, who, this, who, who she's going to have, is second only to Moses. That's what God was looking for. And so it happened, verse 12, as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, How long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I've poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not uh, consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and my grief I have spoken... Until now. So we've no idea if something really began to happen inside her the moment that this surrendered prayer, you know, left her lips. This was big, what she just prayed. If you'll give me a son, then I'll turn around and I'll give him right back to you. This was different, it seems, than any other prayer that she'd prayed for all the times that she'd prayed it. And she may have genuinely sensed or felt something you know, in prayer, and if you've ever gotten that sense when you're praying and your, your soul's crying out to God, it, it isn't always like this, but there are times when you pray, we're like, I, I think that God heard that, and I, I, something's going, the needle somehow in heaven moved. You don't always get that sense, but sometimes you go, oh, like God heard, and you knew that he heard. Well, regardless of how warm her moment had been there with God, out of nowhere, like a bucket of cold water, on the little spark that she just, on the little fire that she just created there with God, another earthly man speaks. And not unlike her hollow husband, the man of God seems to lack discernment too. Discernment, it's interesting. Simply, foundationally, discernment is, is being able to look at what's plainly in front of us and understand what's going on. Like, there it is. That's just discernment. Here's the man of God. He looks at this woman. He completely lacks discernment. He's like, are you drunk? And listen, when we can't make out what's plain, in plain sight, discernment isn't there. To me, it's, it's, it's something that I'm deeply concerned about as it relates to the church today. It, anyway. 
Regardless, I mean, talk about, talk, about, talk about missing what was in plain sight. Listen, she was in no way, in any way, wicked. She had just literally poured out her soul to God to the degree that she said, the most important earthly thing to me, I'm gonna, I, I give it right back to God. If you'll give it to me, I'll give it right back to you, God. That's like pouring out your soul to God. He really missed the mark. She goes, don't consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. If I read this correctly, if I understand it rightly, she's saying in a sense, all my prayers until today, until this moment, were from a complaining, grumbling, ungrateful, sort of raw, graded heart. But here now I prayed a different prayer, not of entitled anger and ungrateful complaint, but of resigned compliance and surrender. Well, then Eli answered and said, go in peace, and the God of uh, Israel grant you your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Interesting, right? So everything in this girl's life just changed, but nothing had. She didn't have a son. All she has is the promise of a son that she found in prayer, but now her face is radiant, her heart is feather light. She'd held, this woman had held so tightly to this thing that she wanted that the, the burden of holding on so tightly was robbing her of any and every earthly joy. And now with a surrendered heart, I mean surrendered, she's free. It, she was, listen, her, 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 her physical countenance, her appearance changes. We talk about the fountain of youth, you know, and there isn't one, but we talk about how, what can we do to, you know, to turn back the clock, and, and maybe the fountain of youth really has a whole lot less to do with what we do to ourselves on the outside than what it is that really happens on the inside. Because here's someone who's got something, something's happened here, and she is literally radiant. So she comes back to the dinner looking splendiferous, hot is what that means. <laughs> she grabs a leg of lamb, takes a bite, and looks at Elkanah like... <laughs> and he's like, hey, 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 this is going to be some feast. So then they rose early in the morning and they worshiped before the Lord. Hannah hadn't had a worship experience like that morning in years. Every time she came to the house of God for years, it was this heart-wrenching, empty, hollow, God doesn't hear or care or remember experience with an enemy that just, the enemy just... All the way there, the enemy looked at her like, this is going to be a crummy time for you. And all the way home, while she wept, her enemy in her own house would be like, Psh. So they worshiped. They returned, came to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. This is better than Disney, y'all. It's true. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son, called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. And, I, and I'd bet every day for 40 weeks, there's a line there, in the process of time. It, it's, it's more pregnant with meaning than she is now. Listen, some things, no matter how divine, well, they're going to take the time that God designed them to take. My little baby, my seven-year-old, she broke her wrist uh, two weeks ago at uh, gymnastics. And uh, every day since, she's like, Dad, how long do I have to wear this cast? 
Now, I could pray that she'd be healed, you know, instantly and, or, or, or quicker, but guess what? It's likely going to take about six or eight weeks for, for it to heal. And as miraculous as this birth is, it's going to take about, you know, 40 weeks thereabout before the little one shows up. You know, it's just going to take that. That's just, that's just how it works. But listen, when it, whatever your it is, doesn't happen when you want it to, it doesn't mean that God's not at work. You're like, how long, O oh Lord? In the process of time. But I'd bet regardless of how sick and tired she may have felt during that 40 weeks, I would bet based upon the fact that she has waited and waited and waited and wanted and wanted and wanted and prayed, and now, and now the thing has come. I would bet that, that what would be more normal, you know, and I, and I don't mean in a bad way, but just the, 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 I don't, I, how you feel, hon, don't feel that great, but I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm glad, to be honest. I remember what it was like to not have these back pains and weird tastes and all the other bit. But her agony now has been swallowed up in ecstasy. So she names the lad Samuel, God hears. And he hears the prayers of those who are surrendered to his will. He hears all of our prayers, but there are times when something on our end actually hinders an answer. James said this, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God. Number one, sometimes the Lord's going, just ask. Then sometimes he says, and even when you ask, you don't get what you want because your motives are all wrong and you want only what will give you pleasure. And it makes me wonder if some of that was happening in Hannah's heart early on. Early on, it's like, all I want is to rival her. Give me a kid for me. And, and, and uh, James has something to say about that. The psalmist said this, if I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have heard or would not have listened. To husbands, God says this, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be, the, she may be weaker than you are, physical reference, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. But Hannah's prayer was heard, and thus she names him Samuel. God heard, verse 21. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice in his vow, but Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you, uh, wait until you've weaned him, only let the Lord establish his word, then the woman stayed and nursed her son until she was weaned. We'll find out in a moment, just in the next verse, that when Hannah ultimately does bring little Samuel to the house of God, she leaves him there. She literally lends him to the Lord, and he is, he's, he's given to God for God's service. That it'll be, he's three, four, five years old. We read that the child was young. And so for the next couple years, two years, three years, four years, five years, at least once a year, the house will be completely empty. And the only two people there at the house were mama and that little, that little treasure. And you got to imagine, because she knows there's a day coming real, real soon that I'm going to have to offer that. I'm going to have to get that. I'm going to have to let that little child go. You have to imagine she max, she's soaked up every single solitary minute. And moms and dads, uh, although we haven't had yet anyone come and just drop their kid off at the church and say, here, you take him. Um, <laughs> he's yours now. <laughs> we, we, we lent to the Lord. Y'all navigate this. Um, Although we do have a ministry that's a little bit like that, but nevertheless. Um, 
It goes fast, doesn't it? It goes so fast. And so if you're still rearing little ones, do the best you can to maximize the moments because you're going to blink and you're going to turn around and they're going to be gone. And it's, it's, I don't think this woman had any regret whatsoever. And I want to pray that, that, that we don't either as moms and dads because they, the next thing you know, you're going to turn around and go, what? They're gone. Now, when she had weaned him, she took him up with her. Uh, uh, she took up with her three bowls, one ephah flour, and a skin of wine, and she brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. And then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli. And she said, Oh, my Lord, as my soul lives, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood by you here. You remember the one you thought was drunk? That's me. And, uh, and I was praying to the Lord for this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I've asked of him. Therefore, I have also lent him to the Lord as long as he shall live. He shall be lent. Uh, uh, as long as he lives, I shall be lent to the Lord. So they worship the Lord there. And here's, and here's in this moment where this is really, really interesting to me because years has gone by, and uh, it's been this really, really tight bond between this child that she wanted and this mother and, the, and that, that bond that's been formed for all the times that they had even just together. And, and uh, very different than what we see a lot of times when you're trying to drop your kids off at children's church. You're, trying, you're like, get, Johnny, get in the classroom. Get in there, you know. In the classroom. And, and the kid's like, no. And sometimes the mom's like, no. This is not what happens here. Instead of like... Instead of that thing, she absolutely explodes in praise. She, I mean, it just, I, this is the kind of praise that has her. She didn't cultivate it and have it. It just, like a deluge, it comes upon her and she prays and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. Who do you think she's talking about? Oh, no, she didn't. She's like, I smile at my enemies right there. You got a man? I got Samuel. I got more than a man. I got a man of God. I got, I got, and you know, she, she just, and you can't, I've never really seen trash talking in women, but this is what she's doing. Because I rejoiced in your salvation, no one's holy like the Lord, for there's none beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let no arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is the God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. You're going to get yours. The bows of the mighty men are broken, and those who stumbled are girded with strength. Those who are full have hired, this, hired themselves out for bread, and the hungry have ceased to hunger. Even the barren who has, uh, has borne seven, and she who has many children has become feeble. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and brings up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and lifts up. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them inherit the throne of glory for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's and, and he has set the world upon them. And interesting enough, um, and he will guard the feet of his saints, but, but the wicked shall be silent. And I love this line, for by strength no man shall prevail. If not, if, if, uh, among other things, one of the perver pervasive messages, the lesson that she got was that when life brings you to a place where no earthly help will do, no amount of strength in man was going to bring her a child, was going to you know, was, was solve this problem, she goes, listen, it's not in men to do these kinds of things. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken in pieces. She actually gets quite prophetic. 
Um, from heaven he will thunder against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed, which is interesting. There's no king on the scene yet. She's talking about a king, and Israel hasn't even asked for one. In fact, it's going to be her son who's going to go and anoint the king that God ultimately wants. It'll be 80 years. Samuel will rule Israel for 80 years with no king until Israel shows up and says, we want a king like everybody else. We want to be like everybody. We want, a, we want a king with like a hat and a robe, and we want uniforms and weapons and an army. And the Lord's like, you don't, you, you don't. No, 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 we do, we do, we do. Give it, we want a king like, we want to be like everybody else. Everybody else has a king, and he rides on a horse, and he's got a special uniform, and everyone's like, there's the king. Give us a king, too. And, and he's like, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't, you're not, you're, you're not going to, don't, you, you don't want him. We, we got him, we want him, we want him, we want him. We want, let, let us, we want a big one, we want a tall one, we want him to be handsome, we want him to have hair. And they get Saul. And all you have to do is read about Saul. I mean, Saul's like, the Lord's like, I told you, you didn't want him. I told you, I told you, I told you. Saul is the lesson that sometimes in life when we just have to have it, we have to have it, we have to have it, we have to have it, God goes, okay, you can have it. And now you're going to get what you get when you have to have it. And when you get what you, what you get when you have to have it, you're like, I really didn't want it. That's what I told you in the first place. Anyway, it's the Lord who has to say, chin up, chin up, Samuel. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And finally, God has to come along to Samuel because Samuel's really dejected that Saul failed as much as he did. And he goes, listen, stop your sniveling. It's time to wait. Get up, get up, get up, boy. Fill your horn with oil. There's a king, and you're going to go, and you're going to anoint him, and he's going to be the king. This is also prophetic. This is just in her prayer, just in the middle of this exultant praise, a gratitude that actually gets her. She not only you know, deals with her enemy as she does, she gloats in a sense. She, she, there's some prophecy that comes out. Then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered the Lord before Eli the priest. Now, someone said, you've heard it, that a picture is worth a thousand words. I've shared a couple thousand words with you already, but I've got two pictures here in just a moment that I think, I think sort of capture the moment that gratitude has you and you don't have it. Like this, this moment was so exultant. It was just so, it was, it was just, a, a, you know, a, 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 a crescendo that, got, that sh she was swept up into and maybe these pictures sort of capture the joyous even victorious gratitude that captured hannah and uh and then the joy of the victory and what a victory it was and the exquisite gratitude of her enemy defeated here's the first here's the first image <laughs> that's that's hannah just I, I waited, I fought, I was kicked, I was, I was maligned, I was made fun of, I was dejected, I was downcast, I wept and wept and wept and wept, I fought, and finally a gratitude came the hard way, and she's standing like this. Now the next picture is Hannah standing over Penina. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, it's like, that's what I'm talking about, baby! 
That's the way that it goes. By the way, that's a classic. That's an iconic. Of course, that's the Holy Spirit. The ref, like, okay, that's enough. That, that's enough. That, you've, I will let you gloat, but you're only going to be able to go. That's enough. Like, don't get down there. And it's over. It is over. Muhammad Ali standing over Sonny Liston. Real quick, what's your Sonny Liston? What's the thing that you faced right now? that no earthly good, no earthly help exists? What's that longing that you have? What's that thing that you've prayed for and prayed for and prayed for and it just hasn't come? That hope deferred that's made you heart sick. What is it? Because I'm gonna believe God with you and I'm gonna believe God for you and together I'm believing that there's a gratitude that's gonna come and it's gonna get you. You're not gonna have it, you're not gonna cultivate it. This is the rare kind of thing. This is the stuff that comes the, the hard way. But there's a day coming, whoever you are, whatever it is that you face, where you're, you're, gonna, have this, you're gonna have this gratitude that explodes upon you because God's gonna do something that only God can do and he's gonna remove your reproach. Some of you have friends and family. They think your faith is a joke. Right? They look on and go, you, be you believe what you believe. It's ab you, it, what a joke. And you, here you are. Some of you are barren. There's some barren um, uh, you know, mamas here that are just begging God for, you know, for a miracle there. Some of you are barren. Some of you are in relationships. Some of you are in a loveless marriage. Some of you are in an unequally yoked scenario. And you're just thinking, is there ever going to be a breakthrough? I can't, wait until, I can't wait until the church and our nation and the world get to stand over COVID, right, and go, it's done. We'll be praising God and shouting at that point, and it won't be something that will be cultivated. It'll be something that just actually comes and has us. There's a different kind of gratitude. It's a rarer kind of thing, but listen, when it comes, there's no other response. You just come in a sense unglued, and you praise God, and you get the chance. There is a chance that, church, there is a chance, read the book of Revelation, there is a day that we're going to be able to gloat over our, our enemies. Those who looked on, those evil workers of iniquity, those lie, liars, and then they've, they've, all they've done is shift, like, you believe in your God, you believe in that, you believe in that, you're the narrow hater. Like, no, we're not the narrow haters. Revelation talks about a day where the saints get a little ridiculous because justice comes and victory comes and it's going to be listen you think heaven's going to be an extraordinary extraordinary situation maybe you're here and you're single and you're thinking i'm still single but you know what after today's study i think I'll, i'm fine without men <laughs> actually I, I don't need one i don't need one you're like pastor frank are they all like that They don't really get it. They are. I love you guys, and I'm I, don't know who, I don't know what you're facing. I, I, I know there's heart sickness in this room. I mean, there is heart sickness that maybe nobody else knows about. And, I, and no man, I, I can't do anything. Man can't, your husband can't do anything about it. Your wife can't do anything about it. And you, you feel like you're, you're so stuck. I don't know about you, about you, but I just got the sense as I was this week that, that the church, that we could just use a good, fresh, holy dousing of hope. Amen? So, Father, thank you 
that uh, you are a victorious Savior. And when we wait as we do for our desires, some of the desires that we have, Lord, you're going to sift out because they, they're not your best for us. Some even godly desires are going to come the hard way. But if we get the sense that it's hopeless, that there just is nothing to be done, on the one hand, we're in the best place we could possibly be because that's where you, you show up. Lord, when Hannah dedicated little Samuel there, when she just exploded in gratitude, she thanked you. Her soul rejoiced, exalted, exalted in you. She ended up getting a little prophetic there. Maybe something like that's happening today. That there's going to be a breakthrough in some hearts, some homes some situations and this is just right on time someone's going to have enough grace to go a little bit further to show back up one more year like Hannah had to go year by year by year maybe some prayers are going to be realigned Lord nevertheless you know this is what I want this is what I want this is what I want this is what I need but if you don't think that I need it that's okay and whatever it is, maybe, maybe it's a prayer like Hannah's, if you'll give it to me, I vow to you that I'll use it for your glory. I, I don't have any idea. I just know that in times like these, you're always speaking to your sons and your daughters. You're the good shepherd that uh, we heard about who leads us there in those green meadows and by the refreshing streams and... Even if our path drops down and we go through, as another writes, a glen of gloom, you're there with us. We can't be hopeless. You're the lifter of our heads and the strength of our hearts. We take this with us now. And Father, as we sing, as we sing now, I pray that we sing. I pray that we sing in a way that just... If we could bring the roof all the way up to heaven, we would. Even before the victory comes, hear our praises, because you're worthy, and we trust you, and you're good, and there's nothing that you can't do, and that gives us great comfort. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Get Fed Today. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Frank Ramsour. If you enjoy the message, you can learn more about Pastor Frank's ministry by visiting calvarychat.com. That's calvary, C-H-A-T-T dot